All right, so here's the deal. I'm going to start out by asking you two spiritual questions, okay? Some a little different for me. I ask you two spiritual questions. I want you to think about these and answer them in your head. Here's the first one. How many of you feel like you pray too much? Like you're like, I got to stop praying. I'm praying too much. I can't even do my work. I can't sleep. I can't play video games anymore. I mean, I'm just praying all the time. That's exactly what I thought. How many of you, here's another spiritual question for you about prayer. How many of you, when you pray, you feel like it's Christmas Day every single time? Because every time you pray, as soon as those words leave your lips, it happens, right? I mean, it's just, you're just 100%, you're, you're batting a thousand when it comes to praying. Anybody feel like Christmas every time that you pray just all comes true? Yeah, thank you. Exactly. That's for all of us, right? My guess is that when we think about those two questions, that, that both of those, neither one of them are true for us. I think when it comes to our prayer life, we're probably in a little different place. Maybe for you, you feel like your prayers are, are too mundane. Maybe they're too tiresome. Maybe they're repetitive and you're just saying the same things over and over and over again. Or, or it could be when you, when you pray, you're not batting a thousand, you're not even batting a hundred, you feel like you're batting zero. You pray, and it's like, why, why isn't anything happening here? For others of us, we look at ourselves and kind of think, you know, look at my past and who I am today. I, I'm unworthy of praying. Or it could be that our prayers are non-existent. But here's the most amazing thing to me. When we look at Scripture over and over and over again, we see prayer is constantly being talked about. And, and I believe that as we see that, that means that it must be one of the most important things that you and I can do in our lives because when you think about prayer prayer leads to changed lives it leads to transformed lives i believe it leads to better lives it leads to us understanding our purpose and our meaning for why we exist and to get to those places it all begins with this thing called prayer so today we continue a series called bless and we're going to talk about prayer. But let me kind of give you a recap if you weren't here last week or you didn't listen online. Um, we're, we're talking about what does it look like for you and I to be a people that are blessing other people. We look back at the book of Genesis, the very first book we find in the Bible, and here is God who gives this guy named Abram. His name is changed to Abraham a little bit later. He gives him these four blessings. And the, we look at those four blessings. The very first three blessings are directed directly to Abraham, but the last blessing is for everyone. It's for humanity. And so in Genesis 12, 3, here's what we read. It says this, it says, All the families on earth will be blessed through you. But when we see these words here that God shares with Abraham, he's saying, hey, all of humanity is going to be blessed through you, Abraham. And that connection is Jesus Christ. Because Jesus comes in the line of Abraham. And so we, we see that there's this connection that's there for, for us even today. And because if we're a follower of Jesus, we understand that we have been blessed then we are now called to bless the lives of other people. Now, why do we do this? Again, I shared these last week, just real quickly. First reason we, we do this is because as we think about blessing other people, we've been blessed. I just said that. We've been blessed by God. It's our turn to bless other people. But the second thing is that people need to be blessed today. People just need to be blessed. Again, as I said last week, if you look at people's relationships, you look at marriages and friendships and, and their dating life and parenting and finances and, and mental health, there's a lot of stuff going on. People are struggling. There's tension. There's, there's brokenness. 
And I truly believe people are looking for something to believe in, something to put their faith in, something to have hope in. And you know what? You and I, if we follow Christ, we actually might hold the key that unlocks their soul so they can finally find that same hope that we have and we get there by coming to this point of blessing their lives. See, when it, when it comes to blessing people and blessing other people, it starts here. It starts with this thing that we call prayer. Now, let me ask you another question about prayer. When it comes to your prayer life, what's your prayer life like right now? Do you pray small prayers? Do you pray timid prayers? Do you pray fearful prayers? Do you think about God and like, <laughs> look at me, I, I'm, I'm just this little piddly person over here. God's got like 8 million people or 8 billion people to worry about and there's bigger problems that's going on. So, so God's not going to listen to me. Or again, maybe we feel un unworthy. See, I, I think that that's probably where most of our prayers are. That, that these are probably the prayers that most of us pray. And so before I talk about what it looks like for us to begin in prayer when it comes to blessing other people, I think it's best that we begin by understanding the power of prayer. And so what I want to do first, I want to take a little time and I want to look through a passage and an event that takes place, conversation that takes place with Jesus and his disciples. And we find this in the New Testament in the book of Luke. Starting with verse 1 in chapter 11, here's what it says. It says, once Jesus was in a certain place praying. Now, I love this because here, here's where this whole prayer thing starts out. Jesus prayed, so guess what? You and I should probably pray too. I mean, he set an amazing example. And we look in Scripture and we find over and over and over again that Jesus spends a lot of time in prayer. And, he, and he's praying these intense prayers and they're consistent prayers and they're, and they're bold prayers. But here's the thing that kind of, it doesn't bug me, but it just kind of, it's hard for me to kind of fathom why. Jesus is the Son of God, right? Here's the Son of God who was actually with God before he was sent to this earth. And yet, here's the Son of God who's praying. I'm the son of Jerry. That's my dad's name, okay? My dad is human, and I am human. And because of my dad and because of me, I got to pray, right? It's important for me to do that because I'm the son of Jerry. Here's this guy, Jesus, who's the son of God. And I'm kind of thinking, I don't know that you'd really need to be praying. Like, you got this pretty incredible connection that's there. But I think it's Jesus saying, hey, look, you need to understand that prayer is important. And I'm going to show you what this looks like. And in fact, so much so that it influenced his, his disciples. Here's what happens in verse, the rest of verse 1 through 4. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. I, I read this part here and I, I feel like this is saying that there is purpose in our prayers. There's purpose in our prayers. Jesus prays. The disciples see this. They know that John taught guys that were following him before Jesus came about what prayer looked like. And so here are Jesus' disciples like, hey, can you teach us to pray like that? Now, you got to think about the culture they grew up in. They grew up in tr Jewish traditions. And, and so in those Jewish traditions, your prayers were basically, they were all memorized. 
You started praying these prayers when you were a little kid, and, and they were just kind of memory there. They're, they wrote for you. you. You didn't forget these things. And, and some of you, I know you grew up in churches where, same thing, you memorize these prayers. And so this was normal for them. Here comes Jesus who's preaching this different, or praying these different prayers. John's praying these different prayers. And like, hey, we, we want to pray like that. And so Jesus is like, all right, I, I got something for you. And so he shares this prayer that I, I think most of us, as we're reading that, we're like, that sounds familiar to me. Well, this is Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer. And as I, I look through Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer, I see that Jesus is kind of saying, that, like, hey, there's purpose when you're praying. Because when I, when I look at those words right there, I, I see four areas. Now, painting with very broad strokes here, by the way. But four areas that kind of jump out to me. I'm like, oh, you know what? That's the kind of prayers I should be praying. These are the things I should be thinking about. And so as he's praying here, he's talking about an eternal future. Like there's something more than, than here. There's a kingdom to come. He talks about needs, specifically physical needs. But, man, we can talk about mental health needs and anything else that kind of fits into who we are as, as a person. He talks about relationships. Like, man, praying for relationships. And, and then about soul care, about our sins and temptations. So as I, I look at this, I'm like, here's Jesus who's saying, hey, there should be purpose in your prayers and here's some purpose for you to think through. Again, there's more that you can add if you want to do that. That's totally fine. But maybe one of the things we need to be reminded of is that there's purpose in these prayers. And here's a beginning point for us. Well, Jesus wants to expand on this prayer thing a little bit further. So he goes into this story in verse 5. It says, Then teaching them more about prayer, he used a story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, A friend of mine has just arrived for a visit. And I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, hey, don't bother me. The door's locked for the night. My family and I are in bed. I can't help you. Jesus tells this story. He shares this parable here. And again, let me just kind of set this up. In those days, um, every morning you would wake up and in these Jewish homes, one of the first things that you would do is that you would break or, or bake bread. You would bake what you thought was your allotment that you needed for the day. You, you, would, you would make bread. Now, I kind of imagined that you would walk into one of these homes and it probably smelled like Subway, right? Anybody just like walking into Subway just because you want to smell the bread? I mean, it's absolutely amazing to be able to go into one of these places and just smell this bread. And then you walk out and you, you can just still smell it for like hours afterwards. This is incredible. This bread they're making, it's fresh. But, but as we look at what the story talks about here, here's Jesus who's like, hey, there's this guy, and uh, he runs out of bread. He doesn't have any bread. There's no more bread for him to share. Probably the kids were stuck at home, snowstorm, and the kids ate all the bread, and that's why he couldn't find anywhere. But this guy's been traveling. He shows up at this guy's house. He's like, hey, I need you to help me out. Now, Jewish tradition said that if a traveler came to your home and asked for help, then you are required to be hospitable to them. So you are required to give them a place to stay. You are required to feed them. But, but this guy, he doesn't have any food. He's like, I don't have any bread to give him, and so I've got to go find some. And so it's midnight, and he's like, I'm going to go to my buddy's house and see if he's got three loaves of bread that I can borrow. Well, again, it's midnight. His buddy's asleep in his house. Um, we're not talking a big house again. We're talking about a small place, uh, maybe one big room or maybe one big room in a smaller 
side room where you'd keep supplies and animals. Everybody slept in the same area. And so there's this knock on the door like, hey, I need some bread. Can you give me some bread? And the guy's like, I can't help you. You know, everybody's sleeping. I'm trying to keep it quiet in here because, you know, the kids need to sleep and I need to sleep and everybody needs to sleep. Try to keep it real quiet. You're going to have to leave us alone and move on. But here's what Jesus says in verse 8. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. I read those words there from Jesus and it's a reminder to me that there's power in our prayers. There's power in the prayers that you and I give. Uh, what I find amusing here is the friend in the house, he won't give, give him anything, right? He, he won't get up. But the guy at the door is like, well, I'm just going to keep knocking. I'm going to keep knocking until you finally give me that bread because I really need that bread. Finally, this guy gives him the bread that he needs. But, but here's what Jesus says. Here's the reason this happened. Verse 8 says, because of his shameless persistence. The NIV says, because of his shameless audacity. As I think about those words, I think to myself, man, there is power in our prayers. And we feel like our prayers aren't being answered. You know what we do? We keep on praying. We keep on believing. We keep on hoping that that answer is going to come. It means we pray bold prayers and consistently we're praying that we, we never give up on, on our prayers. We pray with this shameless persistence, this shameless audacity. It's almost saying to God, God, here's the deal. I'm not going to give up on this prayer until you finally answer it, until you finally give me that bread. Whatever that answer is, I'll live with. But I'm going to keep praying, and I'm going to keep believing, and I'm going to keep hoping that you're going to give me this bread that I'm looking for. To me, this is a reminder to us that there is power in our prayers. Look at verse 11. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. And every dad in here is like, but that sounds like a lot of fun, right? <laughs> Just non-poisonous snakes and scorpions. But here's what he's saying here. Look at verse 13. He explains it. It says, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I love what he, he says here to be like, Hey, guess what? You guys are sinful. You're messy. You got some problems. You give in to temptation. But what do you do? When your kids, you give them a gift, you still give them something nice. Even though you're broken, you give them something nice, something that's worthwhile, right? And then he explains that. Again, looking at those last few words. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? See, in the end, our prayers are about asking God's Spirit to move in us then to move through us to the people around us. Like this is why we pray these prayers so that God's spirit will move in us in incredible ways and then can move through us as, as we bless the people around us. That should be some of the focus of the prayers that you and I give and pray for, that we're praying these pr prayers with persistence 
and audacity. Because here Jesus says, hey, God will give you that Holy Spirit to bless the lives of others. The question is, are we praying for those opportunities to bless other people? Are we praying those kind of prayers? Are we praying those bold prayers, those persistent prayers, asking God to give us those moments where we can bless the lives of others? Do you and I, do you and I keep knocking at the door until we get that answer? That one where that spirit is doing incredible things in our life so that we can bless the lives of other people. My guess is this is not the normal prayer for us. My guess is a lot of us, our prayers are all about me. Maybe, in fact, I think it's probably all of us. It's about my safety. It's about my protection. Um, it's about my relationships. Uh, it's, it's about me getting that job. It's about me winning the Powerball, right? It's about me and sending my kids back to school tomorrow. I mean, so many of our prayers, they're all about me. And so what if, and by the way, I'm not saying... That's necessarily a bad thing. Maybe don't spend as much time on the Powerball and the school thing, right? But what if part of our prayer life was about asking God for these opportunities to use us to bless the lives of others? Like, have you ever thought about that? How, how many of us actually pray that prayer? Hey, God, use me in a way that I can bless the life of someone else. Because, oh God, by the way, you've blessed me in incredible ways. What would it look like if this year we began to pray that kind of prayer? And what would that look like for us to actually put that into practice? And so what I want to do is I want to share with you four steps that I think are a great way that we can, as we go through the series of Bless, that we can begin to understand, you know, what it looks like to bless the lives of others. And it starts with that be there, you know, be in prayer. But I want to say begin in prayer. And so let me, let me give you these four steps. Here's step number one for you. Make a hit list, all right? These are not people you want to get rid of. Um, but these are people that kind of have a target because you're looking at them and saying, hey, here's somebody whose life I want to, be see, I want to see be changed and be different. And so you make this list of people you feel like God's kind of nudging you towards to bless their lives. Now, let me give you kind of an idea of how you can do that. There's this Frank model. If you're from the South, you probably still say Frank, but um, it's with a C. So I, I want to share with you, we're going to put this up here on the screen here, uh, just a, an idea of what this list would kind of look like for you. Uh, this Frank model kind of looks at it this way. You've got this center of influence. You've you got these people in your life that you're around and you're connected to. And, uh, and God has put them in your life to, 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 to maybe to use you to influence them, and you may not even realize it. What is this model? Who are these people? Well, if you look at that model, you start with F. F means friends. Who are the friends that you have that maybe God's talking to you about, nudging you towards? Uh, relatives, who are people that you're, you're related to? Acquaintances, neighbors. And if you see there, I've got two of them. Coworkers is the model there, but I added church in there. And here's why, and I said this last week. If we can't learn how to bless people within this space, there's no hope in us blessing people outside of this building. Like, we have to learn how to bless people here within this church. And if we can do that, well, man, there's no limit to what can happen outside of here. And so as you're thinking through your hit list, and you begin to write all these names down, think about these people that maybe God is putting in your life or that are around you. You have this center of influence with that maybe God's saying, hey, I want you to start thinking about how you can bless this person. 
And so I don't know, your, your list might be four people, it might be 55 people, which is way, probably way too big. Um, but just go ahead and begin to write down these names and think through who are these people God may be calling you to bless. So make your hit list. Here's number two. Step number two, find your rhythm. Find your rhythm. Um, now that we have a list to start from, we're going to need to begin praying for them. And I think it's important that we find a prayer rhythm. Uh, one of my ideas for us here is what if we took our alarm clock and actually made it a prayer clock. If you're like me, uh, you probably are awakened every single morning by an alarm on your phone, right? I mean, that seems to be like what most people use for alarms today. Now, when your alarm goes off, whatever time that may be, 4 o'clock in the morning, 6 o'clock, 8 o'clock, whatever it may be, you're probably thinking, what are the things I need to accomplish today now that I'm awake? Like, I've got this project, i got this meeting, i got to make this phone call, i got this presentation to finish. And so we, when we wake up to our alarm, here's what it usually tells you and I. It's time to go, go, go. What if we looked at this alarm that goes off every single morning for us, instead of this alarm to tell us to go, 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 we, we listen to it as a, a way to tell us to pray, pray, and pray. What if we started out that way with something like what we use every single day i mean in mark chapter 1 verse 35 it says very early in the morning while it was still dark jesus got up left the house and went off to a solitary place to pray we see this happening in scripture quite a bit this is the same rhythm and so it seems to be jesus prayer rhythm get up early in the morning way before anybody else goes to find some quiet place where no one else is and jesus begins his day with prayer I mean, again, this seems to be the rhythm that he has. Could it be that you and I, that we need to find this prayer rhythm in our own life? And I think one of the best things that we can do is start every morning. As our alarm goes off, don't think about the things we've got to accomplish. Don't check your emails. Don't look at your socials. Don't worry about your bank account. But what if you started the day by praying? If there's somebody on that list that you made, maybe a couple of people, and you're like, Hey, God, this is where I'm going to start today. I'm going to pray that you will help me to bless that person's life. And then I, I kind of push you a little bit further, too. What if you added even a few more alarms throughout the day? Maybe lunchtime, dinner, before you go to bed, or just kind of when you know you have a lull in the day, and you have these alarms set off, and maybe there's a couple, maybe there's four or five, and every single time that alarm goes off, you're like, oh, I, I need to pray for that person that I'm hoping that God will put into my life in that moment where I can bless them. They're, they're on my list. I'm going to pray specifically for that name or those names. I think one of the best things that we can do is when we have this list of people we're going to pray for, that we're hoping God will use us to bless, but we can begin by setting this prayer rhythm in place so that we have this normal, consistent prayer time that's happening. And it doesn't have to be long. It can be a sentence or two. Amen. Good to go. Let's keep moving forward with our day. So let's set a prayer rhythm. Here's a step number three for us. Pray over your list. If you got the list, you got a prayer rhythm in place, you got a plan in place, you, you start praying for the people that you feel like God is nudging you toward to bless. Now, what do these prayers look like? I think we can go back to Luke chapter 11. And so if we go back to Luke chapter 11, it was the things I was talking about a little bit earlier. Again, kind of broad strokes there, but hey, we're praying about their eternal future, that 
that they get to understand what this kingdom come really looks like. They were praying for their needs because maybe the reason that they've come to kind of your, your heart and you feel like you know, you're being nudged in this direction, you know some of the needs that, that they have in their life, physical needs, mental health needs. You're like, man, I, I really feel like I should be praying over this person. Uh, relationships, man, broken relationships, uh, struggling relationships, marriages that are torn apart, dating relationships that are going south. I mean, th- maybe this is the place you're supposed to be praying. And then lastly there, we have, um, um, we have the sin piece. We have the soul care that, that we're praying for their soul. We're praying for their, their spirit and, and who they are. See, I, I think if we kind of look at what Jesus talks about there in Luke eleven two 2 through 4, there's that purpose we talked about, this purpose in prayer. But there are some elements there that we can begin to pray for, especially if we know what's happening in someone's life. Now, there's definitely other things you can add there. But I think that's a good starting point for us to be able to pray or to be able to pray for these people we feel like God is calling us to bless. Which then leads me into step number four. Step number four is expect divine appointments. You probably heard being at the right place at the right time. Um, you know, this past week, a couple of people won the Powerball. I think it was like, what, $630 million or something. And I'm sure they were mad because they got a share, $630 million, which... Sounds terrible, doesn't it? But I'm sure they were kind of like, man, we were just at the right place at the right time. And, of course, we picked the right numbers, too. So you kind of add that in there. But, but you have these moments in your life, you're like, I, I was at the right place at the right time. Hey, hey, for me, I got this job, right place, right time. I, I bought this house, right place, right time. I, I met this person I, I'm dating, right place, right time. I'm married to this person because being at the right place, right time. We have these moments in our life where we've been somewhere. We can say, man, this is me being at the right place at the right time. And something pretty cool happened there. It could have been that you even helped somebody out or, or helped something out. Um, our family used to have a Jack Russell Terrier was our dog. And if you've ever had a Jack Russell, it's more like terror over Terrier, right? I mean, very high energy. Uh, Myrtle was 17 years old when you know, we had to put her down. She was just so old, so RIP Miss Myrtle. Uh, but this is right before we moved here back to, back to Virginia. One evening, we're having dinner. We're at the dinner table, and um, Myrtle's eating her food, too. And, man, this dog would scarf down her, her meals. Um, she acted like we didn't feed her at all, and we did. But she would just, she would just attack that, that dinner. Now, she's eating her food. We're eating, and, and we notice there's no more scarfing that's happening. And so we're like, what's wrong there? We look over. And Myrtle's still up on all fours, but we can tell she's not breathing, that her food is stuck in her throat. Now, let me just kind of give you a moment of honesty. I could live without animals in our house. I'm not a huge pet lover. Um, And so this is one of those moments I could have said, well, that's too bad. I hope Myrtle figures it out. (laughs) Right place. I've I've asked for forgiveness. Right place. (laughs) Right time. And did you know that dogs, that the Heimlich maneuver works on dogs? Did you know that? Like, she can't breathe. She's trying to breathe, and everybody's looking, kind of screaming. And in that moment, I could have just said, hey, hope things work out for you. I didn't do that. I reached down. I picked up Myrtle. She was a little plump. And I picked her up, and I gave her, like, two quick pumps, and that food shot out of her mouth. Thank you. (laughs) Put her back down. She ran over that piece of food, and she ate it as fast as she could. 
You can't let any go, right? And she ran back to her food. She ate, scarfed down the rest of it that was there. Acted like nothing had ever happened. Hey, this is one of those moments, right place, right time, and I was a hero for the evening, right? That's what I was excited about. Yes, anyway, maybe you've saved a dog before in your life like that, or an animal, or more importantly, maybe you've been at the right place at the right time, and you've saved a person. Like, there's all these moments in our life that if we were to look back at it, it's like, man, I was just at the right place at the right time, and I, and I was able to help someone else out, or help something out, or, or, or experience something incredible, or even something happened in my life because of this. We've all experienced those moments. But here's the deal. When you start praying over this list of people, and you're praying consistently, and you're praying boldly, one of the best prayers that we can pray is, hey, God, Give me these divine moments where I have an opportunity to actually invest in their lives. Give me that, this opportunity to see them somewhere. So you may say, hey, there's a chance encounter at the store. But you know deep down inside, you're like, this isn't chance. Like I've been praying for this for weeks and months, maybe years, to have this chance to do this, to have this opportunity to have this conversation. Or you met him at the ball field, or you were talking to him in your driveway, or at the gym, or shoveling snow, or whatever it may have been. There's this moment that comes, and other people would call it chance, but you know, you've been praying for this moment. And God's like, hey, I'm going to give you this moment where you get a chance to interact with them, and you can begin to bless their lives. Look, for us to get to that place, all of this, I believe, begins with prayer and if we're going to bless other people in our life if we're going to bless this group of people that we're really thinking about who, who do you want me to influence God through you and through your Holy Spirit all of this begins with prayer and so as you start this week as you begin to think through who are these people God's calling me to bless as you begin to kind of put these plans in place figure out your prayer rhythm and you start to pray over these names hey be expectant that god's going to open up those divine moments where you can have that first conversation that, that first chat maybe that first touch or hug or whatever it may be and god's going to use you in incredible ways to bless the lives of others but to get to that place it begins with prayer as we come to our time of communion this morning, you know, we're talking about prayer. And there's this amazing scripture in the book of Romans. You know, we, we talked a little bit earlier uh, about Jesus praying. And when we look at the life of Jesus, there are these moments where he actually prays for us, right? Even though we're thousands, a couple thousand years after Jesus He's praying for us. He's praying for the church. He's praying for unity. He's praying for us to, to work together and to continue to tell more and more people about who he is. But his prayers didn't end there. Because here in Romans chapter 8, verse 34, it says, Christ Jesus who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding, is praying for us. To me, that blows my mind. Now here is the Son of God who's still praying for you and for me, even to this day. And so if we're a follower of Jesus, we come to this moment where we take communion together. And it is a reminder of this incredible, unconditional love that Jesus has for each one of us. 
And when I think about my life and I think about the way I've been blessed and the way I'm following Jesus the best I can, and I think about that blessing and how I'm called to bless other people, and I think that Jesus, and know that Jesus is still praying for me, man, the best thing I can do is to live my life blessing others. And so right now for us, it's a moment to remember that we are thankful for Jesus and his life, his death and resurrection.